Welcome to Bleacher Brawls. It's our off-season midweek show. I'm John. I'm here with Joey and two guys I haven't seen in a while, Michael and Derek. So it's good to have the whole group together. And we're going to jump right into it. Normally we do first pitch, but the timing of this couldn't be better because we have breaking news. I mean, this news broke 15 minutes ago. We're reacting right before I hit record. The Yankees and Red Sox make a trade, which makes me sick to my stomach no matter how this plays out. And... The Yankees now have acquired uh, Alex Verdugo, uh, potentially their new left fielder for three right-handed pitching prospects. So um, this is just this is crazy. We're all reacting in the moment. Uh, does anyone want to go first? Joey, you're our leadoff hitter. You go first on this one. I'll go first. I am, first of all, shocked by the sacrilege that Craig Breslow has just committed against all of Red Sox Nation. You're telling me? This guy's first major trade, he's trading with the Yankees? Are you kidding me? And then, you know, as my reaction was, I mean, these guys saw it live. They're the ones that told me. They traded him for three pitching prospects, or I guess two pitching prospects and some scrub. What is Breslow doing? Verdugo, in my imagination, should have been flipped for a starting pitcher, right? Or another need in positional depth. I did not want to see him be traded for prospects or, or assets in the system. I have to imagine that Craig Breslow, you know, Derek mentioned to me before the show that one of these guys won an award for control, best control. Maybe Breslow as a former pitcher, a pitching development guy, sees something in this young guy that he really likes. But as for guys that are going to help affect the current season or the season we're going into, this is totally dry. It's a total failure. Why wasn't Verdugo in a package for something better, something bigger, something more different? Why are we doing the same Heimblum regimen of trading established guys down for prospects? I know Verdugo had to go. I understand that. And if Breslow comes out and says, listen, this is the best deal I could get. No one was offering major league starting pitching for Verdugo. I'll understand that. But this is not what I wanted to see, and especially not with the people I wanted to see. Just like you people, John and Michael, who I dislike very strongly because you're Yankees fans. Uh, that's an excellent take from Joey over there. Nice uh, in-the-moment reaction. Michael, you're the one that broke the news to Joey, so we're going to pivot to the Yankees side. What are you thinking right now? Um, I'm pretty cool with it. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree, I think, with the group that it's, you know, I never would have thought – uh, first major trade the team makes is to the Red Sox. I never, I thought that was kind of a uh, rule number one in both teams playbook, but um, I don't know. I'm pretty cool with it. I mean, we need an outfielder, whether they, I mean, we were talking before the break, they might flip them for Soto, but I mean, the Yankees need outfielders. Um, the guy can hit. I mean, I've looked, he's like just under 300 uh, career batting. So, I mean, I'll take him. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's uh, weird because I like this is the one guy that like I always told I have a buddy here and uh, he was a Red Sox fan. I always said like Alex Verdugo just looks like a Red Sox. Like he looks like kind of just like that bearded guy from Boston just hits a home run, you know, when you don't need him to. But no, I don't know. Hopefully it's got some like um, Matt Damon juju or something like that. That'd be great um, because when we got Matt Damon from the Red Sox, I think we won the World Series a year or two after that. So. Um, in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Oh, Johnny Damon. You mean? Oh, yeah. Not Matt Damon. Excuse <laughs> not, uh, Johnny Damon. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right. It was right afterwards. And now, uh, yeah. And now, Derek, uh, you're the Alex Verdugo fan of the group. So I really hope. I know this is hard on you. This can't be an easy trade to be, be processing right now. Where are you coming from on this one? I'm not upset they traded Verdugo. Um. Me and the, like with the Red Sox crew, we've been talking about it pretty much all like the last like four months, five months, six, however long it's been. Um, I already was I was ready for him to get traded. I was kind of already like geared up, protected for it. I, I'm not upset he got traded. I'm upset he got traded to the Yankees. Did you had 28 other teams you could have traded him to? You can't trade him to yourself. You couldn't, and you shouldn't have traded him to the Yankees. Every other team was on the. I would have taken a lesser offer from someone else to make sure it's not the Yankees. Uh, but at the same time, um, it needed to happen. I don't want to be like a – I don't think this is breaking news, but it might be new information to some. Um, Verdugo had a lot of kind of like locker room problems. I'm he I've heard this through the grapevine throughout the season, so I'm not going to you know say who or whatnot. Uh, but essentially, um, 
what happened is Verdugo, the whole late incident, maybe late whatever happened, was not a one-time thing. It didn't happen before this year. It happened multiple times in 2023. It was not like a one-off incident. He had a lot of incidents going on. Um, it was not just like, a, oh, he's late once, so we're just going to bench him and whatever. It was, you know, okay, dude, like get your crap together, figure it out, because like this is not helping us at all. Um, so if you're a Yankees fan, I would be a little bit concerned. Maybe they'll have more structure for him there or something. Um, but I was ready for him to be out the door. I just don't like that it's the Yankees. Um, I think in terms of the White Sox return, Weiser's not really a prospect. He's 28, kind of fringe MLB guy, was good in AAA out of the bullpen, and the big league struggle. We'll see. Um, maybe Breslow, I'm not, yeah, maybe Breslow and Andrew Bailey and all those guys uh, maybe see something and kind of figure stuff, some stuff out with him, maybe, maybe add a thing or two, help him out maybe, who knows. Um, also, too, another thing is maybe also, like, I think Richard Fitz, I think that's a very solid, um, pick up for them. Um, last year in double A pitched 150, I think it's 152 innings at 152 and two thirds innings and 27 starts, 348 ERA, 392 fit, um, only two and a half walks per nine, almost 10 strikeouts per nine. Very solid year, um, for Fitz last year. Um, and he was also voted as having the best control in the Eastern League by, uh, Eastern League managers. So, very solid fastballs in the mid to high 90s. Very good sweeper, slider, pitch, whatever you want to call it. Um, and also a changeup, which is coming, developing. So I think if Craig Breslow saying we're trading Verdugo and that's going to be our main piece, I think he's very confident in fits and sees something there that makes him want to go get it. We've seen what he's done pitching development with the Cubs. You also have a guy like Andrew Bailey on the big league side, what he's done with the Giants. Um, so that's another thing. Um, and they also, too, just, uh, just hired Justin Willard as their director of pitching, who was with the Twins uh, recently as their pitching coordinator. And we saw what the Twins pitching staff did this past year. So I think this kind of brain trust that the Red Sox have now brought in for pitching development, I think they see something. I think that's why they would make this trade. Um, does it suck? Yes. Um, and also, too, uh, uh, Nicholas uh, Judas, Judice, however you pronounce the last name, eighth-round draft pick this past year, six-foot-eight pitcher interesting maybe there's something there um but I, I think it's a very interesting package to get back maybe not the most ideal package but considering the fact that they just brought in three pitchers and you now have Bresler running the ship and you just brought in a new pitching coach and a new director of pitching I think that's very interesting to see how it all plays out with these guys and what they potentially see in these guys um and I'm hoping there's a press conference at some point where we get to hear from Breslow Derek. um talk about these guys Derek, what kind of ceiling do we see? So it seems like to me what you're, you're describing is we got a journeyman, uh, a mystery prospect who we, we don't really know anything about, and you know the double A guy you're talking about. What what type of ceiling do we see him at? I mean, is he like is his ceiling like a three? What what is? Uh, it? Well, as of right now, um, it depends. I think it depends on the changeup. Um, the changeup is the really thing that kind of. Uh, I think the change of this thing that will determine whether or not he's a starter long term and can be like a decent like mid rotation guy, um, or if he's gonna maybe end up in the bullpen at some point. I think he'll probably stick as a starter, but you still never know. Um, I think you're probably looking at him as of right now, probably like a mid to back end guy with the upside to maybe be a mid rotation guy. Um, but remember that can always change. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not. I don't know a ton about him. So I know you've only I'm had going just kind of off of what I see. Yeah, I and that, these guys are anyway, though. That's the problem. And so I think one thing we're all in agreement of, which doesn't happen all the time, is this trade makes us sick. We don't want to see the our teams trading with each other. It's just a bad feeling and a bad taste all around. Uh, I will say this: for Weiser is did not impress me in the major league games I saw him in this year. I I didn't think he was really anything spectacular. So he's probably just a bullpen guy. Um, the fits. It sounds like he's you know there's a little bit of um, buzz behind him having uh, being a control guy, but I've never heard of him before this uh, before this trade went down. So I haven't seen him in any prospect lips lists. I know who Drew Thorpe is. I knew who Weiser was before he got to majors. I had not heard of Fitz. You know maybe this year was his breakout year, and I just hadn't heard of it. Uh, and then Judas, we'll go with Judas for that last guy. Uh, you know, not too early to tell. One thing I got to say with this thing, as far as the Yankees side of it, 
like, you know, we got for Dugo where we were already talking that he's potentially going to get flipped uh, to the Padres, that he can be help them still be competitive where they'd get a major league ready guy uh, and the Yankees would be trading for Juan Soto. Um, I see that kind of working out the best because I don't know how Verdugo's personality would fit in the Yankees clubhouse. Kind of like what Michael said before. He just seems like a Red Sox. I don't think he's the type of guy that could really fit into the Yankees um, clubhouse. He just he's Maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know the guy personally, but he just seemed like one of those guys that was a Red Sox. Uh, but it is a contract here. So if he does stay at the Yankees, left-handed bat, so that's going to play really well in Yankee Stadium, the way Verdugo, uh, the, his approach to hitting is going to play really well in Yankee Stadium. And it's a contract year. So he's going to, even if he did have issues with Alex Gora, which we've heard about in the past, Derek was spoke to a little bit, uh, he's going to want to get paid next season. So I think he'd probably be on his best behavior. And maybe he'd be one of those guys that has a really good uh, walk year, you know, going into his uh, free agency. So um, it could be a positive all around for the Yankees. And like I said, it could be a positive for the Red Sox as far as this Fitz guy and Judas guy is concerned. Though I think, again, with Weiser, I wasn't impressed. But who knows what will happen there. Um, anything I do want to add any- real quickly um, mm-hmm. on, on Judas. Judas, however you pronounce his name. Um, so he's six foot eight, um, se- seemingly uh, sits mid to low 90s. Um, as a six foot eight, and his stuff has continually ticked up over the last couple of years between college and then obviously didn't make his pro debut after being drafted by the Yankees. But that's a little interesting. Seems like he's going to be a reliever, maybe, but we'll see. I think it's just interesting, but he's still very early on because he was just drafted this past year. All right, and you guys now the Red Sox are loading up on prospects. Do you, do Joey? You kind of mentioned it before. You think there's any chance? Craig Breslow is loading up our prospects to surprise us with some kind of mystery surprise deal. Maybe, you know, and John, I normally wouldn't give myself that out on this type of deal. And maybe that's because of the shell shock I'm used to with Heimblum, the the person who, you know, tried to destroy the franchise. But besides that, maybe because the Red Sox and Yankees made a trade, there is a special reason. There's something in the air. Right. For these two juggernauts who hate each other to make a deal, there's maybe something else at play here than just trying to improve their teams. So what I'm thinking is maybe we're giving the Yankees Verdugo so they can go out and offer the Padres Verdugo for Soto. Right. Obviously not straight up. There's different components involved in that. So the Padres can stay competitive and have a good left fielder as they go into the next season trying to make a playoff spot. Right. And that makes sense. And then maybe we were giving all these pitching prospects. So we can trade them for a right-handed bat or put them in a package for a starting pitcher, whatever's needed. And maybe we're, maybe that's what they want. Maybe we're giving these starting pitchers to go to Corbin Burns, to go to Milwaukee and say, hey, we've got three starting pitchers plus some other guys. Take them. Take six of them. Give us Corbin Burns. Right? Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe both teams are helping each other size up and load up for the assets they need to make big trades. I really hope that's what's going on. I mean, not for the Yankees. I would rather not see the Yankees get Juan Soto. It'd be fairly depressing. But to me, at least, uh, not to give you guys any credit or hype you guys up, to me, the Yankees getting Verdugo while in deep negotiations with the with the Padres screams to me that we're going to see Soto in a in a pin, pinstripes within the next week. I mean, it it feels done. It feels a foregone. It feels like it's a foregone conclusion that clearly the Padres maybe weren't interested in some scrub prospects the Yankees had or some pitchers that they had, and they said we want an outfielder, and now the Yankees got one. Michael, we'll go to you one last time before we close it out and move on. Do you think the Yankees are going to be flipping Verdugo for Juan Soto? Like, if you were to bet on this, like, what's the bet? Where are the odds? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I, let's let's call it a pick 'em. I mean, like you know, plus one hundred. You know, bet a hundred to win a hundred. I I think it's the best case scenario for the Yankees. I mean, like I said, I I don't think it's the worst case scenario if they don't. Um, I think it's like a good to have you know ammo in your gun. So, um, whether he goes to the Padres or anywhere, um, let's hope it's Juan Soto. But I mean, it's definitely a trading piece, no matter what you look at it. 
Yeah. All in all, I'm the more I'm, I was on processing, it does certainly feel like it could be a positive for the Yankees one way or another. Uh, so next off, we're going to go into um, an idea Joey had that we're all going to, and I think it's a good idea. All we're all going to lay out a trade scenario because this works perfectly because we're talking about potential trade uh, for the Yankees and Juan Soto. So we're all going to lay out our trade scenarios, um, and then the rest of us are going to vote fair foul on it if we think it's a real good uh, trade scenario. Joey, did I describe that right? Do you want to describe this and lead us off with this one? Yeah, so my idea was that we'd all uh, make a trade up and then have the guys vote on whether it was a fair or a foul trade. Uh, I'd like to not go first because my trade involved Alex Verdugo, so I need some some time to rework I'm not going to lie, mine did too. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I I, I got one coming up real quick on the spot, but just I'll go like second or one. All right. Well, I'll I'll lead us off then. Uh, Michael, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, it's up to you. Mine now involves Juan Soto and Alex Verdugo. So well, there we, I think we all know what we're doing. So go for it. Go, you go first. Yeah, I was, well, I was going to say in that case, if that was yours, I was going to say then what? I mean, what else do you think they would Padres would want? Because I mean, obviously they're not just going to go straight up, right? So I mean, do you what? What do you think it takes? I mean, what? And and I guess lastly, what are you willing to let go? Because I mean, like. I think especially now that you got a you know a bigger name, I think you know some of these top level prospects might not be on the table anymore. You know, don't have to be at least. Um, okay. So that's a great point, and that's kind of I was looking towards the Mookie Betts trade as a good comparison for this, where the Red Sox uh, received you know an everyday player, which just so happened to be Alex Verdugo, who would ironically be going one of the guys going in this trade. Uh, a high-level prospect, and I know he didn't necessarily play out, but Jeter Downs was a high-level prospect. I remember Luke telling me how he's going to be the shortstop of the future. And um, a catcher, like a solid catcher, you know, like a good solid defensive catcher. So the Yankees are still going to have to put together a package of three players who you expect to play in the major leagues. Um, I know the report over the weekend was the Padres asked for like six pitchers and like that's not going to happen the Padres need to make this deal they are they need an influx of cash or they're over their payroll limit whatever they're not they're not doing well financially supposedly anyway and they kind of have to shed some payroll and make this deal happen so the Yankees are more in a point of have the more leverage in this deal and I think the fact that they do have Verdugo now as much as yeah you'd love to flip Verdugo you don't now you don't necessarily have to trade Verdugo like you haven't that left-handed bat one way or another so the Yankees have a little bit of leverage in this scenario uh so with that being said I do know the Padres are looking for pitching and that pitcher Drew Thorpe that the Yankees have that really kind of took off this year he really stock really rose in the minors um if that's who you got to trade that's who you trade you know it's a high level pitch I'm not trading Dominguez he's off the table from the little I saw so if they want pitching I'm willing to make a deal with that high-level pitcher. Um, so that's the top prospect that you're getting in this. And I think it sounds – now you have the top prospect. You have Verdugo, who's an everyday player. And I would, from that point on, I would not throw in Clark Schmidt or Michael King because that would be foolish because the Yankees are trying to win now. And you're so you're not going to trade major league players that can contribute on the major league level, which both Schmidt and King did this season. So that would be foolish for them to trade those guys. So maybe you toss in two more prospects, like a B-level guy and a C-level guy, or two B-level guys. Like the, you know, um, you'd have that Drew Thorpe, and then maybe some just bullpen arm in Double A or Single A. Um, that's what I'm looking for this deal. It's gonna, it's not gonna be major league ready guys outside of Verdugo, and um, I'd be willing to part with a top high high level pitching prospect, but not multiple high level pitching prospects. No, yeah, no, Would I you agree. Be willing to part with Michael King. No, not trading Michael King. Don't know. I don't know. If, I think I think King might be the piece that's needed to unlock a Soto trade. I see, but that doesn't help the Yankees. Though. The Yankees are trying to win a World Series no, this year. No, I know year. that. But at the same time, you look at the, you want to use the Mookie Betts trade as a comparison. Trading Alex Verdugo doesn't necessarily help the Dodgers. He had a very solid 2019 as, with the Dodgers, and they traded him. He was in the big leagues at the time, so it's not like he was a prospect. If time. if Soto wasn't a one-year so, rental, you might have a point. But he's a one-year rental, so that, I think that's I mean, why Mookie the deal hasn't been done yet. 
If the Dodgers yeah. knew they were going to resign, they were going to sign Mookie Betts to an extension. Like they went all in. Don't know about well, no, that. No, the Dodgers offered a massive three hundred million dollar contract, so they went in knowing they were going to offer a three hundred million dollar contract when they traded for it. They knew they were going to offer that. The Yankees, I don't think, are there. Like I think they have so many long term deals at high AAV that I don't think they're. I do think they would view Juan Soto as likely a one-year rental. Yeah, but they're that, not that doesn't matter, John. The bat. John, that doesn't matter because the Padres are not just trading you a year of Juan Soto. They're trading you the no, possibility. They, they are trading you a year of Juan Soto. It's no, no guarantee no, no, it comes no, no, back. No, Michael, 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 they're trading you the opportunity to extend Juan Soto. No, he's, not, he's a Boris guy. He's not extending. Yeah. He's, he's Listen, a guy. Mookie Betts extended. Okay, he's After turned a down his extension. Totally changed the part of it. If, if you think the Padres just just think that they're trading you only a year of Juan Soto, that is not that is not their headspace. They're saying we're they're saying we're giving you Juan Soto and we're giving you the opportunity to negotiate with him overseas and have exclusive negotiating rights for a period of time and try to get an extension. You have first dibs on making a deal with a guy if he's on your club. Going into free agency, you're going to have first dibs if you're competitive to make that offer. So I think that's also part of the deal. Okay. I mean, listen, let's also look at it. I mean, Soto did turn down. What, I mean, what was the Nationals deal they offered him? $500 million, something like that. Was it, I think it was 420 I think it was, or 440 It was yeah. close. Yeah, he turned out an insane deal from the Nationals. The only people, the only teams able to give him that type of deal that he wants are the are the teams that the Padres are talking to, right? So I I just think you should keep that in mind when you're just talking about one year of value. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. They they can think it's all as want. If it's not guaranteed, so you don't you don't make a stupid deal and risk it on a one year on a one year rental. I mean, you could think it's you have the opportunity. In my opinion, these agents are good enough to where if they want to offer if they want to talk to Juan Soto during the year they they can do it all they want I'm sure it happens all the time with every team and every agent um, so I don't think that's a big deal at all and um, I mean like it's no guarantee that he likes the Yankee you know the Yankee culture the Yankee way I mean he's not going to be the only he's not going to be the only star there so I mean I think a lot of things that would happen with the Padres is there was almost too many stars there so we got to see if they even mesh as well so um, I think it's you got to treat it as as a Yankee fan I, I would pray they treat it as a one year rental because you don't want to give up too much. I think exactly what John said is perfect. You know, a ready guy in Verdugo, a top prospect in a middle in a middle of the road guy. That you know, it is what it is. You could 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 be good, could be not, but it's it's a risk. You, you, that's the highest risk you take right there. So it looks like Michael and I are in agreement if, with it, our trade proposal being fair, and Joey and Derek are in agreement that our trade proposal is foul. So, I'm not saying uh, it's not fair. I'm perfectly. just saying I don't think it happens. <laughs> It's a partisan. It's a partisan process. I'm I'll not do saying it's next. not fair. Right. I'm just saying I don't think the Padres are walking away with a fair trade, if that makes sense. The Yankees have the leverage, is where the way I'm looking at it. But yeah, to Joey, let, let's hear yours. I'll do, do my reform trade. I, I think Derek might be the only one who backs me here again. But let's just—I you know, haven't had a ton of time to come up with this. I'm saying we're going to go to. <laughs> I'm end up making the same arguments Michael was just making against myself, but. I'm saying the Red Sox go to the Brewers and they say, hey, we want Corbin Burns. They're like, what are we going to give you? Well, I'm going to give you Cutter Crawford, who has tons of tons of years of eligibility. I'm going to give you Nick York, who is a high hit tool second baseman who is on the cusp of making his major league debut. And then I'm going to throw in Emmanuel Valdez just because I feel like it, just because I feel like giving you such a great deal. So I'd like to hear whether that's fair or foul. I think it's fair. I think the Brewers uh, do not have any likelihood of keeping Burns. They're not going to sign him. They want some value for him. You can give them an arm, which they can develop and have you know three or four years of time with, and some uh, middle infield prospects because they're going to have to replace uh, at second base um, Adamus. They're going to have to replace Adamus. Those guys will fit in. Those guys will slot in. I think it makes sense. What about you guys? All right, can you repeat the whole trade? Because I, I forgot the first guy already. All right, Derek Derek's, Derek has the mind of a goldfish. That's okay. I'll repeat it one more time. Cutter Crawford, Nick York, and Emmanuel Valdez for Corbin Burns. I think it's a fair trade. I just don't know if the Brewers would – I mean, not the, I think the Brewers could consider it. I don't know if the Red Sox would do it. I think it's a fair trade. Don't get me wrong. 
think it's a fair trade. I just don't know if that's something the Red Sox would do for a rental. At this do point. you think the Red Sox are married to Nick York? I really don't think they I don't are. think, no. I'm not saying that they're married to Nick York. I just, I don't think they're in the rental market necessarily. I don't think I they're think if Burns comes here, we extend him pretty fast. I mean, that's. Yeah, but I don't think like their priority right now is rentals. Like, it's, I think it's a fair trade, kind of both, like both sides. Um, I just don't, like I said, I don't know if the Red Sox would pull the trigger on a rental like Burns right now. At, well, at the very least, right they've now. They've been linked to Burns. Well, they've been linked as as has like what half the league at this point. Like, not actually. No, but they haven't been linked more... to Bieber. They've been linked to Burns. Yeah, but there's also been reports saying that their priority isn't isn't um, rental pitching, isn't rental okay, stars. Right. Well, I'll hear from the Yankees guys. But they're a little more. Loose I like I said. I told you it's a fair trade. I just don't know the Red Sox will pull the trigger on. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know too much about the, uh, the you know, those younger guys that you mentioned. If, if it makes the Red Sox better, I'm always going to turn it down. Um, I, is he is he a rental, too? Is that what you were saying? Is he is he on a one-year – is he on his last yeah, year? Yeah, Corbin so, Burns is one-year deal. I mean, I was going to say, if it's it's that risk risk worse rewards. I mean, I know, you know, it's a new guy, new position. If He's got to do he's got to do something. I mean, you, you hired him for a reason, so you got to make a splash. But, um you know, if you strike out, it could be a quick, quick, you know, quick, quick exit, uh, as we've seen before. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was going to say if it, if it makes them better then screw that, but John, what do you think? So I, I was looking at baseball reference and maybe I'm reading this wrong. He only has one year of control left. Cause it, it looks to me like he is too. You're saying he only has no, one Burns year. Only has one year of control left. Okay, well, okay, so that changes it. Cause I was going to say foul because I was going to say the Red Sox, if they were getting two years of burns, would probably have to give up a little more. If that, if it's one year, I first off, I do think if he goes to Boston, they're going to extend him immediately. Like starting pitching, especially the top starting pitching like that, is hard to come by. If you're going to give up everything you can, I don't know if he's a Boris guy. I don't know if he's definitely going to free agency, but. If he is open to extension, which I think any pitcher should be, because you're only your next pitch away from an arm injury and your career being over, or at least s- severely set back. Uh, I, if he goes to Boston, I would assume they would uh, extend, do everything they could to extend him. And then it is kind of the Red Sox um, historically have been pretty good at that, if I am remembering correctly. Uh, but I will also say it's foul because I don't want to see the Red Sox get better and I don't want to see them get starting pitching. So, um, I don't know where I stand on this one, <laughs> both fair and foul. Derek, you got a trade for us? Uh, I do, actually. Um, I actually do have something. Um, so I kind of had a somewhat similar idea um, to Joey on this, somewhat similar, uh, but not exactly. I did go for a pitcher. Um, my trade package does include Nick York. Um, however, instead of going with Cutter Crawford, I'm throwing Tanner Houck in this deal. Um, and my deal is Tanner Houck, Nick York, um, and a pitching prospect like a Brandon Walter, potentially, or someone like that, um, for Patrick Sandoval from the Angels. Who, Sandoval, if I'm correct, I think has three years of control left. I'm all in on that. I'll say that's fair because the Angels kind of stink, and I'm just thinking a guy coming from the Angels wouldn't help the Red Sox. Uh, The Yankees went that route by taking a bunch of scrubs off of the Texas Rangers, and by removing those scrubs, it made the Texas Rangers better, and they went to a World Series. So uh, using that as precedent, and it's just anecdotal. I mean, maybe this pitcher would be fantastic for the Red Sox, but in my anecdotal, uh, the precedent I'm setting, I'm going to go that's fair because it could potentially backfire. I do want to add, though, on Sandoval, um, he is a lefty. Red Sox could very much use a lefty in their rotation. Their only lefty is Chris Sale. We could so sign Eduardo Rodriguez. What are you talking about? No. No. Heck no. 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 Um, I think Sandoval makes sense. He's lefty. He's only 27 years old. Um, yeah, he has three years of control left as well, too. So um, I think that the Red Sox could very well. That's That's the kind of guy they'd be looking for. Team control. Uh, not going to be making a ton of money. Also, too, him being a lefty is a nice added plus for them as well. Joe or Michael, who's going next? I don't say. 
No, oh, I'll let you go, Joey. I was going to say I agree everything John said. It makes sense uh, the, it, because it's the Angels. So uh, I'll, I'll go yeah, fair they, as well, but go ahead. If the Angels are in the business of dumping starting pitchers right now, I, which maybe they are, I guess the deal makes sense. Uh, I don't know if the Red Sox aren't overpaying for that. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe the three years of control are what you're paying for there, but you know his, his win-loss record isn't particularly good. He pitched to over four ERA. He also was playing in L.A., which is a pitcher's ballpark, if I can remember correctly. I, I, I think it's a fair deal. I, I, I don't think I would make that deal, but it's. I think it's fair. I also going to add Sandoval also had a, like a very solid twenty twenty two as well. Um, so I think you're banking on a little bit of that too. Also, uh, he was in the World Baseball Classic for Mexico, pitched well. I'm pretty pretty sure he pitched well in the World Baseball Classic as well. I wish um, he didn't. I wish he didn't play in the World Baseball Classic. In the 2022, uh, Sandoval made 27 starts and had a 2.91 ERA with a 3.09 FIP. Like that's if you kind of average out the last two years, you're getting a middle of the rotation left. It just doesn't wow me enough, Derek. But it just, I just it's not like a wow factor. Wild. But it's not like it's a guy who definitely would make sense if the Angels were to trade. All right, so that was fun. We got some great trade scenarios coming out. I think I think very likely that something, one of these deals in some sense happens where Soto either goes to the Yankees or the Red Sox pick up a starting pitcher and Patrick Sandoval or, God forbid, Corbin Burns. Um, now, the news of the night before this Alex Verdugo uh, news broke was the Major League Baseball held, I guess it's first draft, draft lottery, is that correct? Um, Derek is our resident expert when it comes to minor leagues and prop top prospects. So Derek, uh, you wanted to touch on this, uh, tonight? Um, yeah, I think it's a good time. Uh, so the draft lottery happened, obviously they had it last, last year as well, um, for the 2023 draft, um, had it this year for the 2024 draft. Um, it was a bit of a shocker, honestly. Um, the Cleveland guardians got the first pick, uh, they jumped up from the ninth spot to get the first pick. Then the Cincinnati Reds jumped up from the second pick, jumped up to the second pick um, from, I think it was from the 14th slot. They jumped up to the second pick. The Rockies stuck at third. Um, the A's dropped from uh, first to fourth. Um, the White Sox dropped a couple spots to fifth. The Royals dropped a couple spots to sixth. Uh, card And pretty much everyone mostly dropped. Um, the the Red Sox stuck uh, stuck at 12 for the Red Sox. Um, the Yankees, I'm pretty sure they stayed where they were, but their pick drops 10 spots because they were over that, was it the third threshold um, for the luxury tax? Um, but I, I find it wacky. So Oakland does all this stuff to go 50 and 112 and have a terrible season. And then a team in the Cincinnati Reds who finished over 500 have a pick ahead of them in the MLB draft. I absolutely, it's poetic justice. I ab- yes, it is poetic justice, Derek. I absolutely love that. I, I hate the concept of tanking. And I'm a believer that the draft should be the opposite. Like the first team outside of the playoffs should get the first pick, and then it should work its way backwards from there. Because then you eliminate t- tanking. Well, we should do the Japan system. You guys, have you, you saw the NPB no, draft No, it's the Japan, Japan system. You ready for it? Everyone makes their first round pick at the same exact time. So, so everyone makes their pick. And if there are any teams that have selected the same players, there's a lottery for those picks. Each team pulls a card out, so it's even chances. And the team who with the right card, with the correct card, like gets that player. And then the other teams like have it. to go it back like some and weird pick another game player. In Vegas you play. <laughs> That's so like, much more like, fun than just oh, this team has the first pick. It's not fun. It's like not. It's like an unstrategic. It's like it is no. It is strategic like, because. You don't know it's you not. It's like you guess what other people are prospect. picking. You're making it. You're making the draft a game instead of like a way to acquire people. It's a little. That's what makes it fun. That's what brings strategy into it. It's not strategy. It's it's you're you're turning the draft into like a game. You have to like you know percent percentile out. That's only the first round though. After that, the draft. It's, uh, like they do a snake draft. Yeah, we should do it. We should have a straight draft. It should just be that you get the. Yeah, it should be the opposite. It should be the World Series team gets the first pick. What do you think about that, John? No. <laughs> See, yeah, I don't know. I'm going with the next closest team to the playoffs because, like, that's the team that's like really like on the edge. But I get, I, I prefer either way. Like, I prefer working backwards. I don't think 
being the worst team you should get rewarded by any means. Um, and that goes for all sports. Like how many quarterbacks have the Cleveland Browns screwed up because they had the number one pick and then drafted somebody that had a ton of talent, but they ruined his career. So I, I'm a very much a believer the better team should be rewarded over the lower teams. And, um, and d- doing it that way, it's kind of like the playoffs before the playoffs because you'll have those teams that are fighting to get to that, you know, first round pick, you know, even at the last, you know, basically the last week of the season matters even more. Um, you know, if you got a couple teams tied now, you know, now it's teams basically fighting for that. You know, if you're not going to make the playoffs, well, so at least you have that first round pick. So it keeps I'm, everything competitive to the very end. And I think that's what all sports leagues need. All right. So we did that. And now I guess we'll just bring up some, NFL talk really quickly because I always like to talk a little NFL. Uh, Michael, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen you, and the Giants have put, put together a few wins. So they don't know how to tank right, but it's still good to see the wins. I'm not complaining. Um, and we get Tommy DeVito starting Monday night against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Coach Dable said he earned it, and I kind of feel like he did. So um, are you supporting Tommy DeVito or do you think the Giants should be starting Tyrod Taylor? Um, at this point, you got to start Tommy DeVito. I was uh, – it took <laughs> – that first win two weeks ago, or I guess it would be our second win or whatever it was, but when we should have been tanking, we decided to start winning games. Um, when it started looking like we can have the first overall pick, we started winning games. But, you know, I got over it pretty quickly. It took only took a week because then they won the second the next week after that with the with the quarterback. You know, I think he had like five touchdowns in two games. Um, you know, first Giants rookie to ever do that. So I, it was cool. Um, I'm cool with it now. I mean, he's definitely like the bright spot in the dark season. It was very, you know, we were on here for the last, you know, what was it, week 14 now? So we were on here for the last couple months, just agonizing pain uh, as Giants fans. So. Um, the bright spot, it's definitely fun to at least watch them on Sundays. It may, you know, makes it a little bit more fun. Um, I love the whole Jersey thing. It's kind of like a, you know, kind of got that Anthony Volpe hometown kid, young kid, you know, feel to it. He was undrafted. Well, Anthony Volpe was not undrafted, but this kid was uh, undrafted. So it's a, it's a feel good story, man, if nothing else. And honestly, he doesn't look half bad. I mean, he's got a hell, he's got an arm. Um, he's got the swagger, if nothing else. It kind of reminds me of like the, you know, the Joe Burrow, like Joe cool swagger, like, you know, you can do whatever you hit this kid and he's going to get up and, you know, walk, walk with that swagger. So I don't know. Um, I like it. And and I think Dayball's ball is right. He did earn it. And honestly, like, you know, if we were trying to tank, we should start Tyrod because when he was in, we weren't winning games either. So <laughs> I don't know if we're trying to win games, which it seems like we are, why not start the hot hand? It really looks like Dayball knows how to work in offense. Uh, you know, Obviously, there were some struggles early in the season with offensive line, Daniel Jones getting banged up. But now you take this undrafted quarterback, and he, he looks he looks like a legit NFL quarterback, uh, better than quite a few other quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Uh, so speaking about quarterback drama, I wanted to go over to Derek, get some of your thoughts on what's going on with the Patriots right now. Um, worst season you've probably ever seen in your life, but – they are in position now to be drafting a high-level quarterback. Are you giving up on Mac Jones or just giving up on Mac Jones in New England? What are your thoughts overall? I'm giving up on this offense being any good regardless of who's that quarterback right now. Um, Mac Jones has been terrible. Zappy started off not looking terrible but still kind of rough and still looked kind of terrible and by the end of the game. like I don't know. The, the, team, the Pats offense is just like it's so bad. Um, the Browns team that went 0-16 scores, has scored more points per game than this Patriots team is scoring this season. That's how bad the Patriots' offense is. They're worse than a team that didn't win a game offensively. They're lucky they're in some of the games because their defense is so good. Like, that's the only reason they are in some of the games they're in. It's stupid. Uh, I don't care what they do at this point. Just give me Caleb Williams, Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. Personally, I don't think a quarterback is fixing the, the amount of problems this offense has. Um, so I think you, I would prefer the generational receiver who you're not going to get another chance to pick, whereas you can always pick a quarterback later on. Um, or like later on, I mean like second round or trade up in late first, not like sixth round or something. Um, or maybe even the next year you can pick a quarterback, but you're not you, – 
you're not going to have another chance at a generational wide receiver like that. So if you can get the wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., I personally would, but, like, it's Belichick. He'll probably draft, like, a defensive player or something. Um, or he'll trade down, draft defense. Or he'll draft a punter in the first. He'll draft Tory Taylor out of Iowa, punter, first round. So, um, speaking of defense, you did just remind me, I forgot to make a uh, point about the Giants, is how much fun, uh, Michael, you mentioned there's a, uh, Tommy DeVito is a bright spot in a dark season. The way Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to turn his season around and starting to get in more and more plays and get in the quarterback's face a little bit more, uh, it's starting to see that talent emerge. And I'd have to say that's been pretty fun to watch these past few weeks. No, yeah, not, uh, I was going to say it's uh, the whole the whole defense kind of just making a name for themselves. Um, Micah McFadden, the middle linebacker, has been – you know, I, I'm so in love with him. I want his jersey. I mean, like, the dude just literally is every play making a tackle. Him and Bobby O'Kerke, um, I mean, the two biggest pickups, I think, at one of the two most important positions. I mean, they're literally legitimately, like, leading the defense every week. Um, and you could tell they kind of feed off each other as, like, you know, a Mike and Will linebacker. So it's, I mean, between him, Kayvon, making that leap he's been supposed to make, um, you know, Dexter Lawrence being the beast he is, which, you know, I, this past week we didn't have him in and we kind of see how big you know makes that contract every bit worth that every dollar we gave him so um no it's i mean the defense has been fun to watch that's for sure it's not it's not been their fault we've had a terrible season <laughs> no definitely not and it's just, just kind of funny that we're sitting here uh myself michael Derek, all sitting here praising our defenses and be like god these offenses are so hard to watch like if this were like 1950s NFL, like our teams would be the best teams in the NFL, you know, no one would be scoring off of us and it wouldn't matter that we were only putting up three points a game, you know, uh, we'd be winning games for nothing just because they got two safeties. But unfortunately it's today's NFL and instead we're, our teams just look God awful because of these offenses. Um, Joey, are you there? I, you're off video. Is Joey there? All right, maybe not. I want to see if Joey had anything to say. So we're going to um, – one last thing I was thinking kind of uh, as the NFL playoffs were announced – or N- NFL, NCAA, the, the college uh, football playoffs were announced. Um, obviously, Texas fan here, so I'm really excited to see Texas uh, is going to be in the playoffs. They're looking like they might be finally be back. Uh, we got Michael over there who lives in Ohio, and I know one thing about Ohio, they don't give a damn about the whole state of Michigan. So they want to see Michigan go down. Uh, Derek, I know you're a big college football fan. So um, we're going into this championship weekend. Um, no one's really giving Washington a chance. So between Texas, Alabama, Michigan, and I guess Washington too, they're still there. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, Derek, it's your turn to go first. Um, I'm just, I'm just so happy, uh, the fact that, so FSU, they miss out, they're complaining, right? I'm so happy UCF fans are, we're torching FSU fans, because UCF went undefeated two straight regular seasons, and they're just like, uh, nah, you're not getting in either season. They went undefeated, and then they beat Auburn in their bowl game. Then the next year, they went undefeated. They lost Mackenzie Milton due to injury, and then they lost to LSU in the bowl game. But still, like, and they didn't get even get like a here. You're undefeated. We'll even throw you the fourth seed. Didn't even get that. Um, so FSU fans are like this shouldn't happen. It's the first time. It's like uh, hold on. It's like you eh. see, happened twice to UCF. So like, hey, if you beat Georgia, you can claim a national championship. Um, if you get you if you get your butts handed to you against Georgia, well, guess what? There shouldn't have been in it anyways then, I guess, unfortunately. That's kind of the sad reality of it. Um, the committee does have a line in their like ruling thing that says that they can essentially judge whether or not an injury or or like coaches missing like a coach's suspension or something or anything like that. Uh they can judge how much that may affect team performance and they can exclude a team from the college football playoff based on that, which is kind of wild, but it is. Maybe that's why you shouldn't have a, just a committee deciding this. But regardless, that's what it is. That's what happened. I understand Bama being there because they did just beat Georgia. So I can kind like I can understand it. Um, and I mean Georgia just won twenty nine straight games, back to back national championship. It makes sense. 
Um, Texas being there, um, I'm cool with that. I mean, yeah, they kind of have to be above Bama because they beat Bama, but at the same time, um, you would argue Bama has the most impressive win of the season. Um, my only thing is like how like it's like okay, I know Texas looked a heck of a lot better than FSU this week, but Texas just jumped FSU when being three spots lower in the rankings last week. That's not a thing against Texas. That's more against the rankings itself. And like, how does Texas just jump FSU from being like three spots behind them with in the difference of a week? And they both teams won. It's not like FSU lost. That I find a little weird, but I understand why. It's just like, okay, then why didn't you bump FSU back last week? Why'd you wait till, you know, the week where the rankings decided the game. I don't. That's just my opinion on it. But um, I'm cool with the four teams. I don't have any problems with it. Michael, uh, I know, like I said, you don't give a damn about the whole state of Michigan. Uh, I know. So you're rooting for Alabama at least the first uh, first bowl game. Yeah. No, I was gonna say if not, <laughs> I'm definitely. I mean. I think I'm rooting for Alabama more so just because I want that rematch between Texas. Um, I'd like to see them to duke it out in the championship, uh, especially that is Alabama's only loss is Texas. So it's going to be a revenge game. Um, I'd be interested to see what that, you know, who, who gets favored in that game because, I mean, both teams are kind of like hot right now. I mean, Alabama would just be, you know, the number one team in the last two, three years at least. And then Texas, I mean, like you look at their last – you know, four or five games. I mean, they're not just beating people. They're dominating pretty handily. So um, I think it's fun. I mean, as someone who didn't really grow up with college as important as like the NFL was, um, you know, I do root for Ohio State now that I'm here. Um, so I, I would like to see Michigan lose. I, you know, I don't necessarily, I'm not the biggest hardball guy, whether you root for Ohio State or not. I think, you know, he's either you really like him or you really don't. He's not the most likable guy. Um, but um I will say this. I mean, I do feel bad for FSU. I think, you know, it does kind of, you know, put a hurt on, you know, you go on the feed. But, like, I watched that Louisville game. Like, it was, you know, if Alabama, Texas, Georgia, Ohio State, any of those top contenders teams faced that Louisville team, like, they had to put a hurt on him. Like, that Louisville offense looked like they they were in the red zone about 20 times and could not put the ball in. I mean, their quarterback looked like he was a D3 player. I know he's probably better than that, but he at least that game did not look good. And they only beat him by like six or, you know, it was a very close game the whole game. So I do think, you know, while you did go undefeated, you know, your third string quarterback is not going to make these games competitive if you go up against a juggernaut like Alabama. Um, I think they would have eventually, you know, lost by like a good two, three touchdowns. So as a someone who's not as big as in the college football, I, I do want to see the best matchups. And I know that's not always record doesn't always make sense record-wise, but, like, you know, whether Ohio State gets in or not, I mean, that's, I want to see the best teams get in, you know, record-wise or not. Yeah, I, really I do want to do... add real quick, too, my pet peeve with the whole Texas has to be ranked higher than Alabama thing is on less of a – it's been on a less of a scale, but they've had teams ranked higher than teams they've beat before at the end of seasons. So it's not totally unheard of. I just do want to throw that out, too, because there was the whole thing of, well, Texas beat Alabama, so they have to be ranked higher than – not necessarily i agree with the fact that they were ranked over alabama but i'm just saying that that was a whole thing that came out on social media too and whatnot but, yeah yeah there's obviously been a lot of discussion behind this and I, that's why i guess next year was it 12 teams eight teams or 12 teams 12 teams in the playoffs right Derek? in the yeah right. i'm pretty sure it's 12 yeah so yeah um so first of all michael you touched on a point with uh, Jim Harbaugh not really being a likable guy. Uh, I fully agree with that. I also think his brother is very unlikable too uh, over there at the Ravens, John Harbaugh. And it just really makes you wonder what their parents did wrong to raise those guys to be so unlikable. Uh, look, I've been watching Texas all season. They've a, a, been a really fun team to watch. Only loss was, unfortunately, the Red River rivalry game against Oklahoma um and if texas had gone undefeated you know well i guess we shouldn't be going there but the point is this is a really really good team quinn yours is a is a tremendous college quarterback i don't know if um you know he's not rated going into the nfl expected to go be a high draft pick or anything going to the nfl if he goes into the draft but as a college quarterback he's a really really good quarter uh college quarterback xavier worthy is a tremendous wide receiver and i think he's 
going to be going into this knowing he could really raise his stock going into the NFL draft. Um, Jatavian Sanders, right, the tight end, uh, amazing. Uh, really good play, another playmaker. So this Texas team is loaded with playmakers. I would love to see a rematch between them and uh, Alabama because it's, like, again, that was – that was a heck of a game. And I think either way, assuming Texas can get by Washington, which I obviously hope they do. I think either of these matchups could be a really, really fun championship game. And this is what the uh, NCAA wants is you want those big name schools. And there's, you have a really good chance of getting the Texas has a huge following. Um, Michigan has like Texas has a, like a nationwide following. Michigan has a nationwide following and Alabama has a nationwide following. So, if you get one, like two of those three teams in the college football championship, and they're going to have a tremendously rated college football championship. So I'm just so excited going into the playoffs. I can't wait for them to get here. Um, and with that, I think we're going to close this out. I don't know. Does anyone have anything else they want to say? Do we want to? Um, uh, it looks like Marco Gonzalez just got traded from the Braves, who they just got a couple of days ago, and he's going to. The pirates. the pirates. I don't yep. oh, I don't get. They're I don't just kind of just dumping them off. Yeah, it, doesn't he have a pretty decent sized contract? Yeah, exactly. The so Braves why, traded he... him and are sending cash to the Pirates for a player to be named later. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. that. Makes more sense. Like the Pirates aren't paying for a contract. That's crazy. Um, the Pirates can just stick them in their rotation and just say whatever. Yeah, Hope he pitches exactly. well. Hmm. Yeah, it's the Pirates. I mean, they're just going to go the cheapest route possible. Also, Alex Verdugo is about to be the ugliest player on the Yankees. Yeah, another reason I just don't see this happening. Like, I mean, would he even be willing to shave his beard? He'd just show up and get himself suspended. So, also, too, other thing is supposedly the Red Sox are now in on Lourdes Gurriel Jr., supposedly. Which is intriguing. That's, That's interesting. Yeah, yes, I don't he like probably can only all. play left field, and Masataka Yoshida can probably only play left field. So then the DH, one of them would they be basically one of them DHs, the other one plays left. Right, it'd be like a platoon kind of deal. Like they yeah. probably each play eighty something, eighty games. At certain parks, maybe Guriel could play right field every now and then, but I wouldn't even try that. All right. So with that, like lots of news. I'm expecting more news before next week again because it looks like this free uh the off season's finally picking up. Um and with that, um I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh um John, we got Michael, Derek and Joey. Uh well, we don't have Joey anymore, but Joey was with us earlier. And with that, uh thank you for listening. And we are going to go oh, right and be sure to check us out wherever you can find us. Uh, com. always have some great articles going up. Uh, excellent writers, um, you know, myself and Derek included, but uh, Caroline, Luke, and Pat are all really good too. Um, and you know, check us out YouTube and obviously podcasts. Recommend this our podcast too. Uh, if you have a friend, recommend if you're listening to this, recommend us to a friend, rate us, share us. That stuff really helps out. For uh small for smaller organizations like ourselves, so share and rate us, and it'd be a big help. And with that, thank you for listening to Bleacher Brawls, and have a good one, guys.